All right, state your name for the people, please. A track. All your other DKs are a bunch of jerks. You want to test me? Are you stupid? Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Fools go. Hey, yo. Check it out, show. Hey, yo. I'm David Roth. I'm Daniel Bloom. Welcome to DC. Discovery Houston, 20 seconds to LOS Tedris. Contest, nice to be in orbit. So would you describe the setting of your room right now? Uh, we are inside a planetarium. Uh, <laughs> What's the name of the planetarium? Welcome to the Madcap Planetarium. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. As we dim the lights, just trust us. Now sit back, relax, and shut the fuck up up so i want to know the range the range of emotions that you go through on the day of a show ah um emotions on day of show um hunger (laughs) how do you alleviate that by eating (laughs) delicious Um, yeah (laughs) this usually it as far as like Stress, I think it varies if it's, um, it varies how much of it is like on my back, you know, it varies if it's a ticketed show or not, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, if I'm playing in Vegas and I know they're full every night, then I don't have an ounce of stress. I walk up there, not nervous at all. It's easy if it, I do it, you know, with my eyes closed. If it's a show where it's up to me to fill up the room and maybe I haven't played that city in a certain time or whatever else, then, then I'll be more concerned with like, you know, I hope the show goes well, like that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, there's always some, some level of fatigue. And then before the set, I tend to like, you know, block everything out for a couple minutes and, and just get in my little zone. And when I actually perform, I get, I get jazzy. Can you walk <laughs> us through that zone? What is that zone like? Uh, the zone before the show, I just think... Um, it's all, I mean, I wouldn't call it, it's close to meditative in the sense that like, I try not, I try not to have like outside stimuli too much. Um, I, th- I just try to like have a little moment of calm, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't even think much about what I'm gonna do in the set itself. It's not, so it's not like, I'm not like a singer that has to warm up vocal cords. I'm not even like, uh, the type of performer that'll like visualize the performance. Like I, I like to just walk up and, and go. So before I play, I like to just sort of like, you know, empty out the mental tray. You don't soak your hands in nice hot water to get them no. <laughs> to get them prepared no. for, for the. For the if anything, yeah, yeah, no. Like I, you know, I'm I'm a scratch DJ, so like I this I don't want um I don't want cold hands before I play. Do you use lotion before scratch DJ? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I've, I've always wanted. Oh, natural. <laughs> all natural. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. Wait a second. I want to take it all the way back. <laughs> all right. Right. You're from Montreal, correct? Yes. I would just like you're so well known for you know your dexterity on turntables. 
What was the first time you ever saw somebody rocking the wheels of steel, and how did it make you feel? Um, well, my first exposure to scratching and DJing was indirect. I didn't actually uh, see someone scratch in person for um, for a while. Like I started scratching without having actually seen someone scratch in front of me. Like I'll, I would just listen to records because I was 13. I couldn't get into clubs. I would just listen to records, you know, and listening to Premiere and Pete Rock and guys like that and Jazzy Jeff. And then like I just liked the sound of it. And you know, I'd seen it on TV if anything. But um, and then my brother had a band which before Chromio, and they had a friend who knew how to scratch. So I had a little bit of like secondhand information from him. Like that's how I knew what a mixer was. Because Dave was like, oh, my buddy scratches. There's this thing between the turntables and it's called a crossfader. Like that's kind of how I found out. Uh, so I, I read that you that you practice the craft daily. Now, yeah. what, what did that entail exactly? Like from start to finish? Was it the for same the system? first, for the first, you know, at least year or so, a lot of it was like methodically just teaching myself scratches and tricks. Like literally like, all right, this week I'm wor- I'm trying to master this particular scratch. Um, so it's, you know, it's like a guitar player learning like a, some sort of lick or something. So I'm just repeating the same scratch for like two hours, you know. And, and, and some of it is also like you want to, part of learning how to master a certain scratch is knowing how to do it at different tempos too. So like I'll practice on a slow beat, then on a faster beat, faster beat, things like that until I can really just do it on any kind of beat. Did you know that you were turning yourself into a goddamn machine? I know. I thought I thought that that was normal. You want to test me? Are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Which explains why you did so well when you entered yourself into competitions at a young age. Yeah, pretty much. But you showed up. You're a kid. Yeah. And you're just blowing people away. That must have been fun. It was fun. You gotta be out of your fucking mind. Are you fucking DJs are stupid? Are you stupid DJs? Gotta be out of your fucking mind. All your other DJs are a bunch of jerks. Give them an example how a DJ works. To set the scene, picture a young Elaine Maklovich, age 15, skinny, shaved head. This is prior to the fancy hat days. An oversized white t-shirt and chain combination that suggests I am indeed a fan of urban culture. The stage is crowded with one dude over his right shoulder who is just loving I just, I was, I think I was, I was very prepared, honestly. Like I was, I was practicing every day and watching videos of other DJ competitions. And, you know, I had an understanding of what kind of set to do just from, you know, those tapes of previous years of battles. And, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I used, I remember uh, once... You know, say I was preparing for a battle and I had my set ready and I would just practice it for like many weeks. And we're talking about like a six minute set. You're just, I'm doing the same thing over and over every day. And uh, I wanted to be ready for like, uh, you know, things that can go wrong. So I used to have my brother bang the table in the middle of my set to make the needle skip to make sure that I knew how to, you know, recover from that. Like, what if something goes wrong, you know? Did that ever happen in competition? Yeah, for sure. Needle skip. In um, one of my competitions, the the knob of the crossfader 
flew off from the mixer like and it, there's a video of that like all my whole little community of scratch people like they all whenever i'd see other djs like later that year they're like man i saw the video man the mixer flew off like that's crazy that you had to like that happened during your set like people saw that and felt the pain damn after one special performance a particular individual viewed atrax magical fingers and a few months later yeah while on tour with Kanye, A-Track made a DVD documenting his experiences and the many life lessons he learned. Yeah, this is GLC cleaning the chain class, you know what I'm saying? You clean your shit with some motherfucking toothpaste. I prefer Aquafresh, it's extreme clean. Throw a little mouthwash in there and shit, you know what I'm saying? Just in case a bitch want to kiss your chain, you know what I'm talking about? Stir it up. I'm gonna show your ass some shine. And then you snap twice, and you pull this shit out like this. Open up my towel, you know what I'm talking about? Bink, drop that shit on there, okay? Your chain gonna be shining. Now, when you see this motherfucker shining like crazy, you gonna know why, because you didn't just think the secrets of pimping, goddammit, you know what I'm talking about? you slow motherfuckers, I'm gonna break it down, break it down, break it down. This is Madcap, and you're listening to our interview with masterful turntablist and producer A-Track. In the background, you're hearing a clip of A-Track's set at a daytime dance party in Los Angeles called The Do-Over. This was performed in 2009. Peep that Eli Escobar. So this is a, the next question is something we ask to all of our guests. So uh, we read somewhere that every great artist secretly performs for an audience of one. Uh-huh. All right. So who is the one person that you constantly keep in your mind besides self as you evolve that you want to impress that you want to keep? It could be a friend of me. It could be. It could be. A, it could be whoever. Mm. Larry David. <laughs> okay. That's a tough nut to crack, man. <laughs> do you respect wood, Susie? Uh, yes, I do respect wood. Why? demonstrated a consistent lack of respect for what is I said. Oh, I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know what this is about. I'll tell you what I'm getting at. I see a ring stain on your table. Yeah. I remember you standing over Julia's antique table with a drink. Yeah. Okay? There I'm putting two and two together. I think you left that ring stain on Julia's table. So don't tell me you respect wood. Oh, I respect wood, Larry. I respect wood so much that if I had a piece of wood in my hand right now, I'd beat the shit out of you with it, okay? Get the fuck out of here, all right? Okay. What is he doing, Jeff? I don't know anymore. What are you, oh, what are you, you're looking for fucking ring stains on my, don't touch my book! Get out! Get the fuck out! Or like the or the real Barbara Streisand. You've never met her? No. Has she heard the song? Yes. Did she like it? Apparently yes. I've heard from many sources yes, but I still haven't met her. I just want to meet her. Barbara Streisand. Barbara, we love you. Hello, gorgeous. The movie was like butter. Like butter. 
like a big stick of butter. Mama! Oi, all this talk about food, I'm getting hungry, girl. This is Madcap. I'm Dan Bloom alongside David Ross and our special guest today, Elaine Maklovich, better known as A-Track. Any discussion with A-Track would be sorely incomplete without touching on his collaboration with Armand Van Helden, Duck Sauce. <laughs> Hey, it's Mr. Double D down in Dirty Duke Dixon here on the Midnight Spectacular. I got some brothers for you who are gonna put the oogie in your boogie, the unk in your funk. They are finger licking good, y'all. How about it for duck sauce? For those unfamiliar, Armand Van Helden is an OG of American house music. The Boston native made his name in the mid and late 1990s with driving, expertly produced house tracks, often containing infectious vocals. This is You Don't Know Me from 1999. The collaboration with Armand Van Helden, it's brilliant because he's a guy that could have gotten, you know, passed over in a weird way, who did such amazing work before mm. the quote-unquote boom of EDM in America. Yeah. Do you feel that way, and why was it important? What, what does that collaboration give to you? I never thought about it in the sense of, like, making Armand's currents, because I think Armand is always, like, he's just this, like, eternally youthful kind of guy. Like, he's got, he's got the Pharrell genes, like, he's always, he's always relevant, always, uh, yeah, never the old guy. Um, for me, it was more like getting the opportunity to work with a legend, but also just a really good friend. Like Armand and I became homies before ever thinking about making music. And that's probably why we enjoy ourselves so much making duck sauce. And people can hear the fun in the songs because we just happen to click personality-wise. So our little inside jokes make their way into the records. And those records are really are so much fun to listen to. From, from the very first one I ever heard was Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly every DJ was playing that out. It was yeah. like you, just, you had to have that one. Just to make sure I can do it anyway that you want it. All the way up to now, like 
energy and radio stereo, like, you, you guys are like sneakily building a ridiculous catalog over there. <laughs> Thanks. Sneakily. <laughs> Just like it's out in the open. Everybody loves duck sauce. Is this amazing? Is this amazing? <laughs> time to interject and make sure we get to talk about your collaboration with Cameron. <laughs> Hi, I'm Katie Couric. Welcome to Eye to Eye. Rapper Cameron has made millions from his lyrics about life in the main streets of Harlem. And a big part of his hip-hop culture is keeping your mouth shut when the cops come around. He told CNN's Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes why he'd rather be silent than a snitch. Cameron Giles, also known by his stage name, Cameron and Killa Cam, my personal favorite, debuted his greatness on this earth on February 7th, 1976, in a place called Harlem. A new dawn of the Harlem Renaissance was born, the earth shook. To characterize Cameron in the few minutes that I have available would be an epic failure. So I quit, I submit, just listen. I know what a crook is whack, whack. I lied, cheated, still took me back. back. What I do, turn around, ask you to cook me. Boof my work with a jerk to tell the truth, it hurts. Cause you even ask me to come through the church. church. What I do, act second rate. I stole $10 out of the collection plate. But I'm ready to change, you got my heart cause you smart and it's sexy. Y'all niggas dreamed it, I've seen it, body warm, heart anemic, coke, a nigga steamed it, fiends I leaned them, beam I leaned it. By the way, may I? Sure. I think you're very good at this. Guns, really beam it, really miss, what's really good, bikes really a team it. I'm a I wanted to do a song with him, I've known Damon Dash for a long time, even though I hadn't talked to him in a while, I just hit him up, and Dame really liked the idea. And uh, he suggested that we do a whole project. He was just like, why don't you guys do an EP or something? And I was just sort of like, I'd love to. And we you know, went to Cameron's house and started recording. Do you see more of this kind of uh, you know, hybrid dance music and hip hop working out more together? Yeah, although this, this project is not, uh, is not that much on the dance side. It's, I'm, I'm keeping it pretty much in the dipset mold just because I think that there's you know, people want to hear that. I want to hear that. Keep it gully. So yeah. do we. Here we go. Kill Kim in the building. Tip set. You know what it is. My man eight trap. I feel so epic. No homo. Just play. I'm that nigga, y'all. I ain't even lying. I'm running fashion, man. I ain't even trying. I see these fuck boys hating on me. Been in the crib three years. They still waiting on me. But I'm done with the front and I'm popping the trunk and pressing the button, no stunting, I'm dumping and popping the pump, slumping the chump, I'm crying like onions. With a gun, I am gifted. Back up before I will happily lift. Pop in the cap in the back of your cap, lifting your hat, my ass, I'm malicious. Mommy backed up and says she see the difference. You're mature, handsome, mixed with a lot of ignis. Taking a test is about to poke a chitness. Call me two chains drumming. 
Here's a completely different question. Favorite family trip uh, as a kid? Um, I'm going to tell you a funny family trip. Please. Once, my, my grandparents had a, had a sort of... Uh, a condo in Florida, just to, like for us, like the whole family would go on vacation there. What, what do you call them, Bubby and Zadie? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, you know, you know, I'm lying. I used to call my great grandparents Bubby and Zadie, so I called my grandparents by their first names, which is rare. Um, but yeah, they, they had a wait. Shout them out. Yeah, shout out to Razel and Kenny. Um, Killing it. And so they had, yeah, they had they had like a vacation condo in Florida, and one time on one particular trip, it was just me and my grandfather for a couple days, and like my grandmother was gonna come and meet us like a couple days later and my grandfather uh, isn't always very communicative he's just sort of like we're doing this okay so he thought it would be nice to show me Key West um, so it was just sort of decided that we were gonna drive from Miami to Key West which is like a four-hour drive and uh, I was like I don't know how old that was maybe eight or nine and so I'm in the car with my grandfather, not speaking much. I remember we made a stop to fish on the way. <laughs> and then we get to Key West, and I just sort of wasn't feeling it. And I think he could tell. Like, we got there, and I was like, what is this place kind of thing? And he's like, eh, it's Key West. You know, people come here. You don't like it? And I was sort of like, <laughs> man, this is some old bullshit. And we just turned around and drove back to Miami. <laughs> Didn't get out of the car. I hope you at least got, like, a good Cuban sandwich out of it or something. Not on that trip. That's not kosher, but I, I don't keep kosher. <laughs> One, two, three, hit it! Do you remember the first tape or CD you ever bought with your own money? Man, I think it was CNC Music Factory. Which, which track? Do you remember? It's the al whatever that album was. Well, that gives us a range of excellent titles yeah, to put yeah. in right there. Brotherly love. Sure. Your brother is like the man yeah. out there doing his thing in He's Chromeo. He's on my phone case. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty nice. I mean, how proud are you of him? And, very proud. And, and how does how's the relationship work reciprocally? Uh, we're very tight. We speak many times a day. We're actually quite involved in each other's careers and music more so than people, I think, realize. Just because we don't necessarily like openly collaborate that much, but like we're just each other's sounding board. So um, we kind of run things by each other all the time whether whether it be demos or like decisions or whatever just what we're which what we're each up to we just talk about it a lot what language do you speak in french uh I bet, I bet your parents are so goddamn proud they're pretty happy <laughs> yeah yeah well good and uh i want to know what's a song that uh you would like to have play yourself out in this piece Oh, just yeah. like for the end of the interview, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. 
Um, Anything. Toto, Toto Africa. Okay. All right. That's that works one. for me. Gotta take a Special thanks to A-Track, Elaine, for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks to Renee, Craig, and of course, Matt, for helping to arrange the interview. A very special thanks to DC's own 930 Club for allowing us to conduct an interview in perhaps the most elegant alley in all of the nation's capital. That's right. It's DC Alley interview number two. Number one was Dylan Francis. Number two, A-Track. Yes. To keep up with A-Track, visit DJATrack.com, or you can follow him on Twitter at A-Track. That's A-T-R-A-K. Now we take a moment with our favorite hired gun, DJ Trays. Hold up, hold up. We them boys. If you could, uh, I know this is kind of a difficult question, if you could compile a list of 10 songs that kind of like describe from turntablism to now that kind of describe who you are, like the nucleus of your existence, Whoa. what would they be? That's tough. Uh, we'll settle for six or four. And they can be your, <laughs> they can be your songs or somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll pick other songs. Sipping on some scissor by Three Six Mafia because that's just one of my favorite songs. Like that's just a whole part of my taste for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I would say Around the World by Daft Punk. 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 Maybe like Justice Phantom Part 2 for like more recent sounds. Maybe like the theme from Wild Style, just okay. like, you know, classic breaks. What else can summarize? what I'm about. Did you uh, did you ruin a lot of your parents' records by just scratching on them? Yeah, but not, not too bad. But definitely okay. I started off on my parents' records, for sure. Um, I really, I distinctly remember scratching on my father's copy of Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Unbelievable, just because you know, Premiere being the greatest, like perfect scratches, East Coast rap being what I was mainly raised on. To start with, like, the most pure scratching stuff, I'm going to say the Invisible Scratch Pickles, Clams of Death, okay. which was, like, pure, pure scratching from the era when I was starting to scratch, scratch, scratch. What's up, 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 what's up,
I mean, I feel like that 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 covers like various parts of my nuke. Yeah. Okay. What's up? What's up? DJ Trays dominating the game once again. Check him out at djtrays.com. Madcap is produced by Dan Bloom, David Ross, and Afim Shapiro. Our intern is Drew Snadeke. Madcapdc.org on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC. You can also find us every Tuesday on TBA, SeatGeek's blog. That's tba.seatgeek.com.